VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. home in record time last night. Oh, did you? How long? Well, I left here, because uh, I always clock it when I'm going down the escalator, at 5.41, and I was back at Dalston Towers by 16.14. That's very good, isn't it? That's excellent. Yeah. No, it was good. It was an impressive run last night. If anyone can beat that. Yeah. And I don't really understand the ebb and flow of pre-Christmas London at the moment, because I thought it would just get... Beg your pardon, Eve. Is that the burger? It's a big weekend is already underway over there. Oh, lordy. What it is to be young. We've both had the burger. <laughs> yes. But Mex- I, it was Mexican nice. burger. It was not... I didn't really understand the Mexican connection. Um, it was nice. Uh, no. anyway, I, it, anyway, I just can't work out which days are horrendously busy. Uh, it, was, it was so, so busy on the tube last night. Why would that be just on a random Wednesday evening? But then coming in today, it was just completely empty. Where did all those people go? I um I was quite the other night was it last week I got a district line train home this is so boring but the driver was a woman who and occasionally the the drivers really communicate with the passengers do you sit in the driver's cab <laughs> a bit like you sitting on the pilot's knee yesterday I'm still getting over that I don't, I tried not to get in with the driver they have warned me about this TFL <laughs> It's just a wonderful view. Um, God, I bet it's not. No, I don't think it is either. Uh, Anyway, this woman was uh, probably quite legitimately just losing her fruit. So it was a district line train and at every single station we were being held for a circle line train to go through. And in the end she just said, I am sick of this. There's just no love for the district. (laughs) And we were all sort of, well, it's just a train, you know, it's just, it's just one big giant train set and I don't think it's like a really vindictive decision to keep district lines in stations while circles ease on through. I just don't think it's that simple. I, but I'm not sure, Joan. I think there must be an enormous amount of line envy. Well, perhaps there is. On, on the tube circuit. Because yeah, also imagine if you are just clackety old, what do you think the worst line oh, the is? Northern. No, it's I think the northern. No, Bakerloo. Oh, okay. Bakerloo well. going out west. I got a train out there the other day and I genuinely thought they must have put an emergency train on the line because all the other trains were off being cleaned. Uh, but the person I was visiting said, no, they're always like that. <laughs> I mean, it properly, you, you, it screeches, I mean, worryingly screeches. Screech, yeah, the screeches the are notable on certain lines. But if you work the Bakerloo line and along it's... comes the Lizzie line oh. with its air-conditioned splendour. It's like entering the 21st century, isn't it? Yep. Mm. And also it's different facing seats. 
Right, well, people will be enjoying this all over the world. And if you want to tell us about your public transport system, one that delights you, tickles your fancy or gets on your wick, you know what to do. Mm. I'd like to hear from a tube driver, if we could find a tube driver. That's such a weird job. Because sometimes those tubes are going so fast, you're in a dark tunnel... You, you know, your sense of perspective must be so strange. I'd like to hear about that job. Yeah, you mean we're just peering into the darkness? Yeah. Yeah. But then there comes light coming towards you. Yes. Let but there be light. Every time you approach a station, you must think, I hope everyone's standing back. Well, I, yes, I, yeah. you do hope that. Yeah. Yes. No, yeah. I think it would be a, a job I'd like so to hear more about. We are, yes, I, I agree, actually. You could ask um, some questions. Do you want to mention this? Because this is your big thing in your book of nuggets. Yes, your questions. Well, can I just say, if anyone is looking for... uh, I can do this because it's for charity. If anyone is looking for a Christmas gift, you know the kind of book that uh, you get... Honestly, there's no shame in keeping books in the loo, is there? Let's be honest. Um, I can still see the quite distinguished BBC broadcaster used to to head off to the facilities every single day at around 2pm with a copy of the Daily Star. Well, Matt Chorley's book is written entirely, I think, to be be kept on a a loose show. It's almost got a wipe clean cover. (laughs) (laughs) With, With that sort of market in mind. As we say, we all go to the facilities. There's no shame. Some of us spend longer in there than others. And a sweeping generalisation alert... It hasn't been unknown for men to occupy facilities for a quite extraordinary amount of time. But perhaps they're reading. Who knows? I'm sure they are. Anyway, this is a book that would fit the bill and it's raising money for Kidney Research UK and it's called The Book of Nuggets, compiled by a lady called Juliet Solomon and she's just asked lots and lots of people to contribute just a, a nugget of wisdom. And what is your nugget of wisdom, Jane? I wasn't going to go first to mine, although I am in it. Uh, let's hear first from Jasper Carrot. <laughs> no, just do yours. <laughs> Jasper Carrot. Oh, we've got Anthony Selden as well. OK. There's some cracking names in here. But yes, what people really want to know is... <laughs> what have I said? And slightly, slightly to my... Uh, you never know which page you're going to end up on or in whose company you're going to find yourself. Stig Abel's in the book as well. Oh, brilliant. I think you must be the only person in Britain who hasn't been asked. Michael Ball, <laughs> Shirley Bassey. Are you appearing on The Weakest Link this Christmas, Jane? No, I'm not, and you won't tell us when you are. Right, I'm on page 171. My ears actually... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when that. are you on The Weakest Link? Uh, it'll be sometime You've between... You've forgotten again. ...between Christmas and New Year. OK, right, well, I'm just going to record everything that's on the telly between Christmas and New Year. <laughs> just... <laughs> Yes, unfortunately, I'm I'm squashed between two other contributors. Who and, are? Well, <laughs> it's not brilliant for me. <laughs> what is uh, it? John Motson and Russ Abbott. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> okay, right. Page one seven one. Well. I mean, uh, Russ Abbott. I mean, I don't is, know what to say. Jane. No, Russ <laughs> Abbott is right on the money. He says, above all, believe in yourself. Well, he has, hasn't he? And it's yes. gone him a long way. What yeah. does John Motson say? Well, he's got a... He provo- I think it's the late John Motson, isn't yes, it? So we can yeah. say what we like about John. Well, we can. Yeah. And I think it's fair well, to say that... Um, I wish, yeah, I wish, I wish we could, yeah. yeah well, um, that's it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. anyway, he, um, the um, late lamented-ish football commentator John Motson says uh, that he's got a quote from Marcus Aurelius... Gosh. Yeah. Always bear this in mind that very little indeed is necessary for living a happy life. Well, I think I think Marcus is on the money there. Yeah, I think it's a bit of a cop out to include a quote from someone else. I think you should have like I've done, 
Come up with yeah, something. Do. Right, come on, read yours because it's okay. quite funny. Jane Garvey, radio presenter, says, I wish it hadn't taken me so long to realise that everyone has a story. I still have my teenage diaries and they are certainly a source of entertainment, but they do embarrass me. I was utterly self-involved. <laughs> so devoted to navel-gazing that I miss so much. How I wish I'd asked more questions of the people around me. My own grandmother lived with us and she was born in 1900 and we did talk, but not enough. I should have asked her a thousand questions about what she'd seen and what she'd lived through, but I was too busy and too important, or so I thought. Well, never too late to change. <laughs> I think it is too late to change, unfortunately. <laughs> and as it's turned out, talking about myself has proved to be quite <laughs> really annoying. Yeah, really annoying. But if only my old nan was alive today to say to see and hear me still chatting shit, but this time getting paid for it. Yeah. Do there you, you think uh, it's a nice book that genuinely it's called The Book of Nuggets. If your grandmother had been born in different times, would she be a YouTube star? Oh gosh, no, because I think that probably would have got in her, got in the way of her very tight daily schedule of reading the Liverpool Daily Post and then reading the Echo in the evening. <laughs> no. Or maybe just a maybe just a TikTok star. Uh, but she could. She honestly didn't have a lot of spare time really yeah. between reading. I think somebody is missing a great opportunity to look back through the annals of history and work out who would succeed in the modern world and who would fail. I mean, Henry VIII, would, you, you sense, would have been a powerful voice on the socials. Oh, my God. complete be, pain be in, in the arse. He'd be in the jungle, wouldn't he? Oh, He'd probably. He'd be in yeah. the jungle yeah. about, about series three, and uh, people would be fascinated by him. The Daily Mail would devote a lot of column inches to yeah. Henry VIII. And lady columnists would write lots and lots of words about how um, it was only the nasty, hairy-armpitted feminists who didn't, didn't like him. Yeah. And that's because he, he wouldn't fancy them anyway. That would be it, wouldn't it? Yeah, probably. And then, and then they'd say something like, you know, for his seventh wife. Well, what did she expect? <laughs> Somebody wrote that about me once. Someone not far, not too far away from us now. Actually. I didn't write that. No, no, oh, no, no. Uh, no uh, a lady columnist. Oh, one of those lady columnists. Yeah, and I did think, oh, sister. I'm not sure about that, well, actually. Well, do you know what? It remains a terrible, terrible thing that if you... Back in the day, I'm not... Maybe slightly changed. If you wanted to earn money as a female journalist, slag off other women for yeah. money, and you were doing really nicely. Just have a lady carp. Yeah. It's yeah. pathetic. Anyway, mm. how are you keeping? <laughs> <laughs> you all right? <laughs> Taking care of yourself? I'm waiting. This is, this is great. <laughs> There's no more. Hello, says this correspondent, Glyn. Fee's protestations that she hasn't been to the theatre since Noel Coward last trod the boards is making me snigger because whenever a play is subsequently mentioned on the show, it turns out to be the exception to Fee's rule. Oh, well, yes, we did actually go to see the show that goes wrong and it was properly funny, etc. Yeah. I know, I did confess to this. Mm, yeah. I, I owned my but own hypocrisy. He's got a good, a good couple of lines here. It puts me in mind, says Glyn, of a great aunt, long since passed away, who swore she was teetotal but then well Bailey's is more of a dessert than a drink so I'll join you in a glass well as it's a celebration then I will have a glass of the fizzy stuff oh just a small brandy but just for my nerves nothing that colour can have alcohol in it she said that of Advocar that was the drink of choice of the 1970s suburban sophisticate despite in Glenn's view it looking like a bottle of phlegm oh Glenn Advocar what was that thing I used to drink uh a snowball. Snowballs. Yeah. I think the worrying thing about Avocar was the consistency. You know, when you poured it into a glass, it was just like that really, really Phlegm. thick... No, but but also that but that very chalky penicillin. Do you remember that? 
Oh, yes. Fo slightly yeah. foamy, chalky penicillin that you always had as a kid. Yes, God. Yes, just very, very thick, very viscous. The medicines of my youth. So uh, I had Welfare Orange from the clinic. Yeah. We all had that. Uh, and I don't think, I'm not imagining this. Every child, certainly of my vintage, so born 64, was given this um, extraordinarily potent, bright orange drink that you picked up from the clinic, which I now see on Call the Midwife, that one of those kind of clinics that catered for child health and maternity. And we got welfare orange. And then um, what was that syrup? There was the pink syrup that we all had. What the hell was that called? And then, of course, kaolin and morphine. Kaolin and morphine. Now, so that was vile. Well, but it actually it actually affected. Yeah, but it had... Um, the, it had uh, the element of cocaine in it, didn't it? Did it? Yes, yeah. It I'm used pretty to, sure. It used to... I know you can't get it anymore. Yeah. Because it used to warm you up an absolute treat. Yes. And certainly seal your bowels. Mm. Or was it just that it did have morphine in it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, look, it's the not available anymore. The doctor's surgery, <laughs> the hatch has gone right down. <laughs> no, you can't have an appointment. <laughs> no, and also don't take your medical advice from either of us. <laughs> Please, God, do <laughs> Uh, right, I'm sure I'm not the only one to write in, says Gin. The shopping centre on the outskirts of Bristol is Cribs Causeway. Yes, it you. never fills me with excitement either. But thank you for that. Uh, this one comes in from Sarah, who says, Unable to sleep, it's almost 2am. I've been listening to you both from a couple of days ago discussing... Discussing, discussing Russian babushkas. It took me back to 1975, when my friend Kathy and I, both paediatric student nurses in London, took ourselves off on a Thompson's two-centre tour of Moscow and Leningrad, as it was then, in January, so blooming cold and snowy. It cost us, have a guess, eight, eight days half board in 1975. Uh, two, 250, 250 quid. £74 each. Wow. Yeah. 75, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose that would be right. Starting in Moscow, stayed at the Inn Tourist Hotel, then a long Dr. Zhivago-like train journey up to Leningrad, where it was minus 15. A great holiday. We were taken around the sites, of course, in a group, but were also allowed free time to go off by ourselves. Took a taxi to Red Square, a bus somewhere else. I remember there being no sink plugs in our wash basins, but I'd heard that we should take our own, which we duly did, and we woke up to the sound of the pavements being cleared of snow and looking out of the window were surprised to see women, old babushkas they look like, wielding heavy shovels. Yeah, that's right, get the women to do the pavement clearing. Yeah. But what's with the plug, the, just the sink things? Because I, uh, I remember that, actually, in quite a few of the places that we visited on the travel show, and I think Simon Calder was always saying he never left home without a plug. Um, but why would, why would that be? Somebody will know. I haven't got a clue. Why? Because you'd waste much more water if you were a hotelier yeah, if you didn't surely. give people a sink plug. Yes. That's strange. It's really, really odd. So I didn't go to Russia until the 1990s, and I've only been that one time, and I, I, it's a place I would like to go back to. It was a little bit... Um, I went on a package tour with the late-lamented Independent on Sunday. I'd seen an advert in the Independent on Sunday. And I went on a coach tour with my sister. We met some very interesting people. Did you? Mm. Uh, which part of the coach did you sit in? Uh, oh, well, towards the back, because yes. there's a rebel streak in, in both of us. Yeah. Yeah. But not actually back seat. No, it wasn't really that kind. It was, it was full of, you know, inquiring minds that holiday. What's the independent on Sunday fee? <laughs> <laughs> we were very, very discerning folk. I do remember there was a hotel in St Petersburg, I'm sure there probably still is, called Grand Hotel Europe. 
uh, where because of the exchange rate, we had the most fantastic meal for about 30 pence. Uh, but of course, that was to the, on the backdrop of immense suffering of the, of the actual locals. But um, we were laughing anyway. <laughs> Right. Have a lovely Christmas, says Camilla. I felt compelled to join the conversation this week with two little comments. On the smoking section in Plains, in the 80s, as a small child, I often travelled with my parents to visit family abroad and on holidays. My parents both smoked and would book the first non-smoking row and then go to stand behind our seats in the aisle to smoke. I have no idea how they thought this was protecting me from the smoke and I suspect they'll both be horrified now. Uh, no curtain to separate the smoking section from non-smokers. The memory of the smell has not left oh, me. Oh, God. Yeah. And just on hair crimpers, these are alive and well in the ballroom and Latin dance community. They're often used to add texture and volume to hair before it's put in a complex updo for competitions. My daughter has crimpers bought recently for this purpose. You sent some beautiful pictures uh, and uh, very good luck to your uh, obviously very talented teenager uh, who is definitely going through the no smiling camera face. Let's have a quick look. Yeah, well, she can't be expected to smile. No, no. Uh, I mean, she'll smile again. It's probably in about, I don't know, 27, 28, something like that. There's suddenly a hint of a hint of a smile. Yes, or you'll see lots and lots of pictures of her really smiling. Or with her mates. When you're not around. <laughs> it's funny, that, isn't it? Uh, Kay says, um, I really enjoy your fantastic podcast. That's Thank more you, like Kay. it, Kay. And I'm still eagerly awaiting the book club review of Boy Swallows Universe. I hope Fee is now fully recovered from her illness and we are able to have a discussion on the book very soon. Kay, you are in luck because it's coming your way tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah, so thank you all for being so patient. And, uh, yeah, you'll definitely be able to get it in your feed uh, tomorrow. So uh, we'll um, we'll look forward to your suggestions for the next one as well. Um, and I know people have got strong opinions about Boy Swallows Universe. It is worth doing books that people have got opinions on. There's no point just doing a book that everybody really likes. Because that's just boring, isn't it? Yes, and we're not Richard and Judy. If we were Richard and Judy, I'd be would Richard. you be <laughs> Well, actually, is that the right answer? I'm just trying to think. I'm happy to be Judy. I think she's lovely. The train is now approaching. Junction at platform. Passengers. Airport, please stay on board. Next stop, road station. iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewellery? Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Hello, lovely Jane and Fee. Thanks for keeping me company through my menopausal insomnia and my husband's snoring. Now, that is a double whammy, Claire Palmer. I'm so sorry to hear that. One of those things will pass. The other one might not. <laughs> I thought Fee would enjoy the attached photo of my thermometer from 10 years ago. Yesterday, we live in southern Alberta in Canada. Minus 32, Jane. Minus wow. 32 is so cold your nose freezes if you try to take a breath. School stays open, though, and they still send the kids outside for recess until it gets to minus 22. And yesterday, in Claire's world, it was plus 15. We have no snow and there's a threat of our first ever brown Christmas. And yes, fellow Albertans, I do know there was a Chinook, but still. A, a Chinook? Yeah. A Chinook I, overhead? I don't ever think of a Chinook being a helicopter. But it is, yes. Isn't it? Yeah. Well, it must come from is something. Is it an animal? Though. It must... It's, yeah. Can we Google that, please, Eve? Yeah. She's going to use the Google. We'll find out. <laughs> Child 3 is consequently in something of a decline and is not even cheered by the fact that it snowed in the Rockies and our ski hill is open. It'll be odd, as we're now very used to those picture-perfect white Christmases with the sun shining and clear blue sky as far as the eye can see. And as Claire says, global warming, anyone? Any news? Specifically the Chinook and Peter State. Yeah, OK. OK, so the Chinook are a people. Right, thank you. Yeah, well, that's does that clear that up? I tell you what, Claire Palmer, another email, please. More required. Sue in Sussex. Very, I'm very grateful to you for this, Sue. She says, congratulations, Jane, on getting a head torch. Wonderful. Oh, it's up on the Insta. Oh, it looks ridiculous, doesn't it? Uh, so it turns out it's actually quite hard to take a selfie when you're wearing a head torch. And I, I'm not a good photographer in the best of circumstances. And although my elder child was at home this morning, she simply point-blank refused to take a photograph of me wearing a head torch, so I had to do it myself. Mm. Well, I think that's... I'm kind of with your child. Yes, I think she felt it was a step too far. And also, it's just blinding looking at somebody Maybe with a head Maybe that was torch. what put her off. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Sue says, a couple of years ago, I bought a load of cheap head torches for my daughter's December birthday party that involved a spooky woodland walk from our rather remote house into the nearest town for pizza. A few weeks later, we had a several-day power cut that extended over Christmas Day. My sister and I prepared our Christmas dinner by head torchlight. We luckily have a gas-fired cooker, and the children and the husbands use them to wash up. I now keep one hanging above the cooker for the power cuts we inevitably get after big storms. But it's also... Did you hear my voice go there? I have got a cold. After big storms. But also find it fabulous for fi fetching firewood. It'll be all right. Do you want to lie down? <laughs> Finding misplaced packages and clipping herbs for dinner in the darker months. Hurrah for head torches. Well, that's what you will be I doing mean, she's then. she's really properly told me there about the number... 101 uses of a head torch. Yeah, so you, this weekend, in order to do something that you can then write about for your What I Do on Saturdays, you could spend a little bit of time clipping herbs. <laughs> Leslie says, don't give up on Shetland, Jane. Leslie oh, has I'm just watched the last three episodes. Well, you've given up too, haven't you? Well, I've given up, but I did graze across about 15 minutes of it last night. Mm. It was so disturbing. Oh. It, uh, the, the twist, uh, oh, no. Leslie, you're a much, much braver woman than I am, uh, because Leslie says definitely worth watching until the end. 
Uh, I I had to walk away, Leslie, after one of those twists. I just I just couldn't quite believe that they're gone there. Actually, well, it's not the detective, is it? Mm, well, I don't know. I don't know what how how it ended because. Oh. I'll tell you when the mics are off because okay. people might be upset a little oh, bit like dear. with the Bake Off. Winner. Oh yes, no, gosh, that was <laughs> so I wait because people might be saving. saving I, I mean, honestly, I yeah. would leap to your defence there. It was only bloody cake. I mean, honestly, <laughs> come on, people. <laughs> so so and so won. Yeah, well, so what? It's a cake show. It's a show about cake. <laughs> you know, I didn't even stay right to the end to watch Bake Off. I just googled it. <laughs> Do you want to do the sting one? It's from Fee in Edinburgh. It's it's really good. It's the, it's the follow-up. It's the follow-up. I, I know. And I've got, there you go. I've, I've, I should, by the way, thank you so much for these emails. Obviously, oh, um, fantastic. we'd be sitting in silence uh, if you didn't email, well, more or less. Uh, Jade and Fee at times.radio. Because of what's going on with the COVID inquiry, we're not doing guests in the podcast just at the moment. And I don't think we're doing one on Monday either, are no, we? Because no. Rishi Sunak's appearing in front of the COVID inquiry. Okay. So, um, I did think today, did you watch his press conference? So he had to come out in defence of the Rwanda policy, <sighs> which is taking up so, so much time yeah. in this country it's i can't remember uh, a policy that has yet to become policy mm. uh, creating quite so many fireworks all the time it is endless but I'm... he gave a very very tetchy press conference that definitely because suella bravman had come out and said some quite strong things about the implications of the rwanda policy not going ahead for the whole country uh, and rishi's press conference it did have the tone of what she got that I haven't got about it, you know that, okay. <laughs> that moment that that you know if you've if you've uh, had a, a love affair that's not worked out. Well, we don't know that, do we? <laughs> oh, I see what you mean. Yes, okay. It was it was quite. I'm yeah. I'm this. I'm that. I'm, it was just, I'm the prime minister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all quite febrile at the moment again, Jane. Oh, we've dragged febrile out of the adjective cupboard. But mind you, it's never been its never been anywhere other than at the forefront of our minds, yeah. that adjective, because it's just been batty in Britain the last couple of years. Yeah. Well, arguably for longer than that. I'm hoping for calmer waters in 2024, but I'm probably mad to say that. Well, I, I yes, I mean, this is a conversation for another time yeah. and I'd be interested, really interested to hear thoughts from people who live in different countries about this. But, but there seems to be that there's always a politician who comes comes out and says, I would be the person who would like to put politics uh, back on the, the you know, a kind of a, a low-level shelf in your life where you can reach for it when you need it, mm. but it's not right in front of you all of the time. I'm the person who can do this. And, you know, perhaps it's just with nostalgia that we think that there might have been a time when that's how governments actually operated. But I don't think that's an option anymore because the sheer volume of noise about politics just creates a vacuum mm. into which... We might think we don't want the noise, but actually we're quite enjoying well, the noise. Well, I was going to say, I think you're absolutely right with that enjoyment thing because I hate I hate the fact that there will be a part of me that if Donald Trump does win the election... You'll be mesmerised. Well, I will, won't yeah. I? And yeah. isn't that terrible? And that's the point, isn't yeah. it? And that's why we're all to blame. Yeah. Yeah. And the time that we genuinely do want politics to very, very much be in the background of our lives, I think, is gone. It's just gone, Jane. Let's talk about Sting. <laughs> uh, dear Fee and Jane, I'm glad you enjoyed my Sting story, says uh, Fee from Edinburgh. I cringed and laughed, I bet you did, as I listened to your observations and I'm delighted to fill in the gaps. I too was shocked when the, by then, extremely successful Sting not only accepted a drink from me and then asked for that really bizarre combo... 
I did think he was showing off a bit as I sipped my small cider. I'm a major tequila fan now, but I'd never tasted such an exotic beverage at that point and still managed to resist trying it with champagne and have still managed to resist trying it with champagne. Yeah, I'm not surprised. It just sounds disgusting. We danced to Bob Marley, uh, whom I also loved, Sting in the style that he was famous for on stage, a kind of exaggerated walk. While I died a thousand deaths, feeling more self-conscious than I've ever felt in my life while trying to dance in a similar cool fashion. With regard to the Sperry boyfriend, he lasted a few months while I guiltily fantasised about my life with Sting in a parallel universe. He was a pain in the arse, no sense of humour about himself, which I've always found to be crucial, and a mean streak that manifested itself in obvious ways and not-so-obvious habits, such as only filling his petrol tank half full as the car was cheaper to run when lighter than with a full tank. (laughs) God... I'm really glad you've been this fella, because that is joyless. I mean, it might be right. I don't know whether it's right or not. But dear, dear. Anyway, I'm glad to say that my passion for Sting did dim when he married Trudy, leading her into the chapel, probably on their estate, on a horse, both of them bedecked in thousands of pounds worth of Versace. Sting and Trudy, not the horses as far as I know. (laughs) But I just thought the whole thing was a bit tasteless. The tantric sex chat and having specially cooked organic soup flown to them by helicopter sealed their fates further, whatever the truth. And I'm glad to say I've moved on while still loving the police and most of Sting's music. Not the loot quite so much, (laughs) she says. Fee, uh, you can write any time with anything, whatever's on your mind. Just tell us about it. Yeah, but I'm very glad that the spare turned into a don't bother at all. And if you do know about whether that petrol tank thing is real... Let us know. Oh, I'm sure it is. Is yeah. it? Would that yeah. be logical? Yes, yeah, because the lighter your car, the less petrol it uses. But do you know what? The Sting and Trudy wedding, I'd forgotten that until yeah, Fee reminded us. I had and to. Yeah. It does remind me of the most, one of the most fantastic radio moments I ever heard, which was courtesy of uh, Sheila Fogarty, who was sent when we were at Five Live yes. to go and cover the wedding of Madonna to Guy Ritchie, oh, which was quite something. Now, that was over in Ireland, wasn't it? No, it's in no, Scotland, Scotland, wasn't it? Oh, Scotland, Scotland, you're Scotland, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and she was positioned because nobody was really allowed near the church. So she was just behind a kind of barricade with lots of other press people. And the only opportunity she had uh, across the whole day to actually do any commentary was just when Madonna and Guy Ritchie's car sped past. And she was so brilliant. She just paused and she basically went, and I'm sorry, Sheila, if I'm paraphrasing your greatness, but she basically just said, oh, Two very rich people have just gone past me in a very fast car and they didn't even wave. <laughs> really? I mean, say so it like... Was, no, that was it. And it was just the most beautiful pause before and pause after and then some poor bugger in the studio had to pick up <laughs> and, uh, and tell everybody what was going on. And those were the days, Jen. Oh, yes. When you were sent to cover events like Showbiz that. Showbiz weddings. Yeah. yeah. And now I've just found Stig Abel's Nuggets. Oh, yes, what is it? Would you like it? This is from the Book of Nuggets. Available now, raises money for charity, kidney research. UK. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, and Stig is sandwiched between Dame Joanna Lumley and Debbie McGee. Well, he's done a lot better than me. So here we go. The best piece of wisdom I ever read was by the screenwriter William Goldman. Nobody knows anything. He was talking about Hollywood, but it holds true for everywhere. It's an antidote to imposter syndrome. You should never feel down upon yourself or your abilities or your prospects because everybody is struggling. Everybody is making it up as they go along. I've interviewed the most powerful 
powerful people in the country and can tell you that they don't know much. They are as fallible as the rest of us. So if everybody is flawed, why shouldn't you succeed? If somebody has to come out on top, why shouldn't it be you? Nobody knows anything. It is reassuring when you think about it. Well, not really. (laughs) I rather like that. Yeah. Because it's about being on the level with everybody. I'm being operated on by someone. I want to know... I want to be reassured that they know exactly what they're doing. Well, you're the one who said it at our afternoon tea. You just like to wing it. <laughs> well, that's true. Um, but I wouldn't do. I wouldn't wing it in an operating theatre. I know, but you're not a doctor. <laughs> not yet. I'm, only, I'm 60 next year, and that freedom pass might allow me to fit in a few bit, a few training sessions down at the hospital. Who knows? Um, Before we go, and we must, with a mention that indeed the Book Club podcast will be available tomorrow. So if you have, um, I was going to say put up with, (laughs) if you've read Boy Swallows Universe, no, uh, then the podcast is uh, for you to enjoy tomorrow. I just want to say thank you to Mel for emailing about her great friend, Beth. Um, She wants us to give a shout out to her. She's a fellow swimmer fee. She's based in the US. Uh, Beth does have things in common with Jane, though, because she is obsessed with the apocalypse. But she couldn't ever have imagined that she would be struck down with encephalitis in August. Despite the seriousness of the condition and the long road to recovery, I'm delighted to say she has never lost her sense of humour. She does enjoy your podcast, so please could you just mention her. Um, Okay, so Beth, um, we're mentioning you and thank you so much for listening all the way over there in the States and um, get well soon. Yeah, and happy Christmas. And a very happy Christmas to you. Right. Uh, so do you just want to give this book one last plug as it is for charity? Yes. It's, yes. Uh, and it's got some great people in it. This is your opportunity to say, and you. Oh, no, I wasn't going to say that. It's got uh, some great people in it and it's called The Book of Nuggets and it's yes. compiled by Juliet Solomon. Yes. And, uh, and as Jane said, perfect book just to to keep handy, uh, perhaps when you pop to the smallest room in the house. (laughs) (laughs) Which is my happy place. Right, uh, enjoy, have a lovely, lovely couple of days uh, and enjoy the Book Club podcast tomorrow. What happens if you have a really, really big loo? A big loo? Yeah. So it's not (laughs) the smallest room Oh, I see, I think you meant actually the lavatory itself. Do they come in different sizes? I mean, don't be naive. They must. I don't think they do. I think we've hit upon something here. Are you a plumber? (laughs) Help us out, because we've asked a couple of, I think, quite searching questions. Do loos come in standard sizes? Yeah, and if we're all getting bigger... Yeah, then surely they must be too. And because there was a thingamajiggy out this week, wasn't there, saying that the average male is six kilograms heavier, the average female five kilograms heavier, but we're all sitting on the same pan. (laughs) Pan. Yes. Right. (laughs) We we really better finish. What was your other question? What is it like to drive a tube train? That was it. Yes, also a good question. All right, Jane and Fee at Times.radio. (laughs) I really do think we'd better go. You did it. 
elite listener status for you for getting through another half hour or so of our whimsical ramblings, otherwise known as the hugely successful podcast Off Air with Jane Garvey and Fee Glover. We miss the modesty class. <laughs> our Times Radio producer is Rosie Cutler, the podcast executive producer. It's a man, it's Henry Tribe. Yeah, he's an executive. Now, if you want even more, and let's face it, who wouldn't, then stick Times Radio on at three o'clock Monday until Thursday every week, and you can hear our take on the big news stories of the day, as well as a genuinely interesting mix of brilliant and entertaining guests on all sorts of subjects. Thank you for bearing with us, and we hope you can join us again on Off Air very soon. As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com